I told you and I promised you this uh, month I'm going to be starting a new series called Relevant Christianity. And I promise you that at every sermon, at the start of every sermon, I want to share with you what others are saying in the world at large. I don't know if they're believers, I don't know if they're unbelievers, but at this point in my life, it doesn't matter. Because I've learned that I can learn from anyone. And I want us to have that openness of mind and heart. Wherever people are moving, shaking and doing great things, I want to be a part of that group. And in the middle of that group, I will give God all the glory for what he is doing. This morning, I want to introduce to you Elaine Welteroth. She's going to speak to us for about a minute and 45 seconds. And then we're going to start Relevant Christianity in Jesus' name. Answer this question. What matters more to you than money? Now ask yourself, why? Those are your values. Hey everyone, I'm Elaine Weltroth and I'm the editor-in-chief of Teen Vogue. I spent over a decade building a career as a magazine editor. It's really scary to walk away from that. I looked up one day and realized that I had more dreams. Gone are the days we work at one company for our entire lives. It's about dreaming out of the box and designing a career path that's as unique as you are. This masterclass is for all the creative entrepreneurs, the multi-hyphenates, which I like to call moguls in the making, big dreamers who just need a little bit of help figuring out how to map out exactly how you're gonna make all of your career dreams happen in this one lifetime. We're gonna talk about the difference between good writing and great writing, marketing and social media, team building. It takes a village, y'all. What is your zone of genius? That sweet spot at the intersection of your passions, talents, values, and your skills. Understanding your zone of genius allows you to stay focused on what matters the most. It is never too late to pivot. Fear is gonna be part of the process. You're thinking, how am I gonna pay my bills? What about health insurance, girl? I'm tired of ramen noodles. I've been there, I completely get it. We have to figure out how to dance with fear, to be able to reinvent ourselves and our careers time and time again. And I wanna help you craft the plan to make it happen. I'm Elaine Welteroth, and this is my masterclass. Amen. Amen. I love that stuff, by the way. My heart is alive. I want to share something with you. And in each of these videos, I want just to pull out some key things for yourself. One of the things that I pulled out from what she was saying was you have to learn how to dance with fear. And I think that's very powerful, how to master fear and let it be one of your partners along the way and not one of your enemies. Over the holidays, I sent a message to a friend of mine that I met some time ago. And I just want to read a text that he sent back because it, it's really going to frame what we're going to talk about. Because I want you to know this, there are people in different spheres of society that are languishing for God at the highest levels of life and at the lowest levels of life. And what's more important than what we do inside here is how we present the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Uh, I met this gentleman, we were in a development meeting maybe about five, six years ago. 
beautiful gentleman sits at the top of some of these major financial corporations. I, I can't remember if he said that he was or was not a believer. I don't remember the conversation. But we took, we exchanged numbers and every now and then I would correspond with him. And he shared with me last year that his mother was very ill. So I told him I'll be praying for his mother. And as we began to correspond, I realized that he was very open to the things of God. He was never turned off every time I used the scripture, encouraged him in the Lord. So this year I told him that all of heaven is backing everything that he's doing. That was my theme that I sent out to everyone that I spoke to. And he responded. I didn't know how he was going to take that. But he responded by saying, thank you, Pastor Miko. Always wonderful to hear from you. And I hope that this finds you, your family, congregation, in excellent health. He continues by saying, I am grateful. And I always welcome your encouraging and reassuring words. To quote you, in the midst of great uncertainty, God has been good. Amen. I was shocked when he sent that one. I didn't know he was watching me. I pray and truly believe that your words will ring true with all of heaven behind us. 2022 is our greatest year yet. Our best is yet to come. Warmest regards. Amen. Amen. I thought that was very poignant because today I want to talk to you about relevant Christianity. And I'm going to be really calm this, this particular uh, message because I really want you to take down the gist of what I'm saying. I want to talk to you about a Christianity that matters, a faith that matters, not just to us or to when we gather on the inside, but what matters to the world at large. And I'm going to show you some things because I've just been meditating and thinking through a lot of what God has been sharing with me. And I realize, and I'll share this with you in February, that for most Christians, the journey of salvation is a relational experience, not a vocational pursuit. And I'm going to explain that in February, the distinctions between the two, a relational experience or a social experience and a vocational pursuit. And I'm going to show you how to balance those two ideas. But remember I said that for most people, when they come to know the Lord, it's a social slash relational experience that they enter in. And we have difficulties now tying this idea of serving the Lord as a vocational pursuit. And it's going to make sense. Today I'm going to talk about mattering. Next week I'm going to talk about the three options that are before all Christians. And we can decide which option we're going to take. The following week I'm going to share with you the idea of there being seven mountains of society and culture. I'm going to show you in the book of Revelation why there's a woman that sits on the top of these seven mountains and how we can go about reclaiming these mountains of society and culture. When we finish that, I'm going to talk to you about being present in our Christianity. More than just existing, but being present in this world. Not being absent, talking about God, because you can be absent having great theology, but no one's impacted by that because we're not present. But theology has to be present if it's going to create impact in society. But today, we're going to talk about mattering. And so I invite you, if you don't have your notes, you can go online, download the notes. There's going to be a link in the lower third to get those notes. Follow me through here. See where we go in Jesus' name. Mattering. 
This is the question that I want all of us to ask ourselves when we talk about God, Christianity. Here's the question. Who cares? Who really cares about Jesus? Who cares about the church? Who cares about your salvation? Who really cares? If you ask yourself a question, do your, do your children care? Does your, do your co-workers care? Does society at large care? Does this generation care? Who really cares? Look at your children. Do they really care about Christianity? In most cases, what you may find is that our children are doing things that we've asked them to do, not because they care, but they're being parented in their salvation. It's when they're old enough to make decisions that you'll find out whether or not they care or not. They come, they come to the, the service because you told them to come to the service. When they're 21, 22, you will see whether or not they care or not. Do your co-workers care about Christianity? Does the world really care? COVID has taught the body of Christ a lot. That the world really doesn't care about Christianity the way we say the world should care about Christianity. And because we are in a social experience, we don't ask hard questions of ourselves. And when we do ask the hard questions, some of us get offended. And I'm going to show you the hard questions that we should never be offended about because if you're running a business, which I believe God is, you have to ask hard questions because at times your business could be going out of business because you're not asking the hard questions. You could actually be insolvent and still saying you're selling something and no one is actually buying what you claim you are, you are selling. So this is the question, who really cares? Relevance, when we talk about this term, relevance is about mattering. When something is relevant, it matters to people. It means something to them. If it doesn't mean anything to them, it doesn't matter how loud you scream. Guys, it doesn't matter how good the music is. If it doesn't matter to them, it's irrelevant. If they don't think about it, let me show you a definition of, these are my definition. And here's what the Lord says. Here's, here's what he says in, in the Gospel of Luke. He says, salt is good. He could have said Christianity is good. He could have said, the church is good. He could have said, I am good. But watch this. But if the salt has lost its savor. Notice the question is not whether or not there is salt. The question is whether or not the salt has savor. It's potent or it's not. He says, Therewith, wherewith shall it be seasoned? This is really the assessment question. If the salt has no savor, who's going to check to figure out how can we then get the favor or the savor back? It is neither fit for the land, this is powerful, nor yet for the dunghill, that's the garbage heap. But people cast it out and in one gospel they say they throw it on the ground and people walk all over it. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Lord is saying. Now watch. Joel, every time I say the word watch, play the organ because I'm trying to stop saying that word watch. <laughs> It's one of those words, I, I watch the broadcast, I say, you say the word watch all the time. Watch. <laughs> Thank you. And, and I will get over it. This is what it means to matter. Watch. When something matters, agree with me, it's significant. When something matters, it's important. It's worthy of attention. People pay attention to it. It's worthy of consideration. It's worthy of participation and you want to be a part of it. It's worthy of you spending your time on it. And watch this, by the majority. 
This is important because you have to put numbers to relevance by the majority. You can't say, well, five people in a world of five million think that it's important, worthy of attention, because numbers matter here. This is interesting because when you look at ministries, I see this all the time. You might be in a city like Toronto where there's about four million people. A hundred people pay attention to you and you swear up and down you're relevant. I think you should say, I should say, we're not relevant. How can we become relevant? Because if you don't ask those hard questions, after a while, you'll end up deceiving yourself and telling yourself that you're something that you're not. This is why ministries will never grow, but they'll say things like, we're taking the city. I don't know if you heard those terms. I used to be in places where leaders would go out and give keys to preachers after they preach keys to the city. And I would say to myself, as I'm sitting in my seat, who gave you that key to give to someone? Did the mayor give you that key? Because we begin telling ourselves things that aren't really legitimate because we don't use these definitions. Is it significant to people? Is it worthy of their attention? Does it matter to them? Is it consuming their time? Would they participate in these things? And at that in the, the majority of people. Now let's go one step further and look at this. To be relevant, we have to make a decision when it comes to how we respond to God. And here we're going to talk about the difference between doing and talking. And I think over the years, I've been guilty of this myself, I find that we talk more than we do. That's what I find. And I find that there is that sickness in the body where people are, they're lofty talkers, but they're not equal in doing. And so what can happen, watch brothers and sisters, please stay with me right now. What can happen is our talk outdistances our achievements. You know what I'm saying, right? So then it becomes a paradox for people listening to us because we'll have talk that's literally up on the moon, but we'll be living in the gutter. So this, when it comes to God, the best response, when it comes to preaching, when it comes to teaching, the best response is not a shout. That a shout makes the preacher feel good and want to continue, but that's not the best response. The best response is doing. Isn't that right? Well, let me prove it to you now. I was about to say watch. <laughs> Be, watch, <laughs> doers of the word and not only because you'll end up deceiving your yourself. The best response on the journey to relevance is doing. If you have a congregation of doers, you're on your way to relevance. If you have a congregation of talkers, you're on your way to redundancy. So think with me just for a moment. It's important to do. Now let's go one step further. Doers are the ones in this world who ultimately become relevant. Talkers, and this is where the idea, because I don't believe that any word that comes out of my mouth or your mouth is cheap. I don't believe that statement. But I do believe that people who talk and don't do, that's when talk becomes cheap. Because words are potent, they're powerful. But when we're just constantly talking, talking, and not doing, all of a sudden, we lose our savor. And instead of being relevant, we become redundant, just talking. Let, let, me, let me talk about myself for a second. I can tell that some people that I talked about the vision, they just roll their eyes, even though they're not rolling their eyes at me. 
Because they said, well, we heard that before. You've been saying that since. You've been saying that. Because what they know is if they don't see some results, if they don't see shovels in the ground, if they don't see buildings going up, if they don't see schools, they'll say, well, this guy's just been, he's been talking for 10 years. What they're really trying to say, even though they're being nice to you, is they're saying you are redundant. You are not relevant. It's like that in all aspects of life. If you talk, 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 and there's no fruit, 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 people will say that you are redundant. The best response to God is doing. Now we go one step further. Doers matter. Talkers do not matter. I'm tying this into relevance. Doers are the ones that matter in society. I would dare say in the eyes of God, all people matter. But when it comes to his business, doers matter more to him than talkers. Listen to what James says. He continues the idea in the same chapter and verse. He says, if anyone is a hearer and not a doer, they become like a person that sees themselves in a glass. Watch what happens to them. He says, they behold themselves, they go away, and they actually forget what they to themselves they don't even matter. They just saw themselves in a mirror. They walked away and they have forgotten what they look like. Doing matters. I want to pause right here. Everyone, I want you to lift your hands. Even at home, I want you to lift your hands. Here's part of our commitment. Over here, over here, I want everyone. We're not, we're not talking now. I want everyone to make a commitment that God, whatever you tell me this year, I will do it. In your own way, whatever you speak to me, Holy Spirit, I will not just babble on, but I will be a doer of your word. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you did that online. I'm going to be a doer and not a talker. Now, let me show you one more thing before we go. I want to show you this concept in the Bible of first and last, how it applies to relevance. Remember, doers matter. Talkers do not. Relevance is what is significant, what's important, what people pay attention to. Now watch this. In the Gospel of Matthew, there's this famous scripture here. We all know it. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Jesus, is, he's applying it now to people that are chosen. What it really is, it's a principle. The Lord applies it in different uh, scriptures for different things. It's a principle. And what it simply means is, watch, that which was, was at the end will be brought by God to the beginning. That which was at the beginning will be brought to the end. That's all it means. It's a principle. So when you understand the principle, you get into the mind of God. You see how God works with time. He could even do this in your own life. That which was at the beginning will be brought to the end, and that which was at the end will be brought to the beginning. It's a principle. So that's why people can teach you that if you're at the bottom, God will favor you and move you to the top. It's a principle. If this year was bad, God takes that, puts it at the back, and puts something else at the beginning. It's a principle. That's all it is. Now, to understand this, I want to apply it to relevance. I'm going to show you three ways that the body, the church, can be relevant. I'm going to show you the very first way, which every one of us will agree with, and I'll show you the second way, the third way, and I will show you the idea first and last. Everyone knows this. The first way that we can be relevant is through conversions. 
Do you understand what I mean here? This is the essence of sharing the gospel, going out and leading individuals to relationship with Jesus Christ. There are churches today, ministries today, that will go out and they will knock on doors, give out tracts. Do you know Jesus? In fact, one of the largest groups, what are they? Um, the Jehovah Witness, this is what they do. They, they bought their tracts. This is conversion. This is one of the ways to be relevant. Introducing people to Jesus Christ. Here is the scripture that teaches us this. Go ye therefore into all the world and teach the world. Make disciples. Matheteo is the Greek word. Make disciples. When you make disciples, baptize them. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You're converting people. That's one way to be relevant. The only challenge with this way today is that it's a little slow. It's very personal, but it doesn't gather the numbers that we need given where we are in time. It's not to be taken off the table, but it's a little slower than the other ways. The second way to be relevant, watch, is affecting culture. This one's a little interesting because for some reason over the years, we really don't know how to do this well. I'll show you the mistakes we make here. This is where we go into an impious culture. A culture that doesn't like God, a culture that is not righteous, culture that is not holy. And we begin to try to find ways to affect culture. This is a little tricky because what we tend to do when we go out into these environments is we actually go out with a very hard approach using the Bible as an anvil. And this is why you get situations like, you know, uh, Christians trying to blow up abortion clinics because that's not what should happen, or Christians going into uh, clear areas of the society that we know uh, the LGBTQ plus community are, and we set up shop, we start preaching hell and brimstone right there, it becomes a fight and argument. That's, this creates what, what's called the culture wars. I don't know if you heard of that. So now we're fighting culture, where we're trying to change it, but we're not really successful, so society calls us fundamentalists. These are the fundamentalist Christians and, you know, we uh, signs up in front of the government, no abortion, no this, no that, all that kind of, we're trying to change culture. We don't really know how to do this very well because in a lot of cases we don't go out with the intent to love people. <laughs> we go out with the intent to drag people either to heaven or to hell. And that's why it gets turned off. So we're not patient with people. We don't go into the, can I say, the gay village and just want to sit down and talk to them. No, we pull out Sodom and Gomorrah down there. And so it becomes an argument. Lord, we'll choose the gay parade to set up shop. And then we'll start preaching against that. And rather than just wanting to have a conversation, building relationship, introducing Jesus and seeing where God will take it from there. But sometimes we don't trust God to build relationships and to do what he needs to do. We think we need to actually defend him at these times. What we're really trying to do here is we're trying to establish this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is. We're trying to change culture, but we don't do it very well. Here is the third way that we can be relevant. I call it corporations. This is learning, and this is what I'm going to teach us how to do as a ministry, because we're strong enough now to do this. This is actually leading disciplines and industries into submission to God. And I'm going to show you in the coming weeks how that can be done.
then you'll understand why it's so important for you to be rightly placed in this world because the industries and the disciplines are waiting for their rightful leaders to sit on their rightful mountains. This is an area that the body of Christ has not done well in, but God is moving us into this particular area. Now remember, I said the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So if you use this analogy, I'm going to show you that conversion for God today is actually last. Submitting industries and discipline is actually first. And if you can do that well, watch, you will get culture and you will get individuals as well. What's shaping society today is not necessarily the individuals and their choices, but the disciplines and the industries are creating the individuals. If you can go back up to the top of the mountain and learn how to function well, you will get culture and you will get individuals. And that's why I read that text for you from that gentleman that sits in the corporate world. This is Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2. Brothers and sisters, this is where God is right now. I'm not guessing. I'm not stabbing in the dark. I'm telling you, in the last days, it shall come to pass that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established where? In the top of the mountains and all nations shall flow up to it. When I teach you the seven mountains, you'll understand this. You'll understand the role that the church plays in shaping disciplines and industries. You'll understand why it's important for us to learn from those who are already on the top of the mountain. You don't have to kick them off the mountain. You can learn from them so that when the mountain shifts to the Lord's house, they can come up and flow to the house of God. It's okay, brothers and sisters. I know over the years, I think I've even done it. It's okay to learn from those who don't know God. Knowledge is not predicated on relationship with God. <laughs> Do you understand that? Okay. He said, no, Pastor, you're crazy. I hope I'm crazy because then I'll get some more views. <laughs> Knowledge is available to anyone that wants it. It's what we do with the knowledge that matters. And so today, listen carefully, today, the first is actually moving to the last and the last is becoming the first. There are people sitting here that belong in industries for the purpose of change. You do. You belong at the top of mountains. And when God begins to move in this area, you're going to see that the people that you thought didn't want to know him. Can I share something with you quickly before we come down? I've realized that with God, he actually goes before you meet people and he begins to till the soils of their hearts. That's what I realized even in my own life. God was working long before people showed up to invite me to come to ministries. He does that. There are people right now that God is tilling the soils of their hearts. And when the condition is right, you see, one man plants another waters, but God brings the increase. I want us to do now. I want us to do. I told you this and I'm going to end. 
Next week, we're going to look at three options. I will show you the one that we are choosing for our ministry. There are three options, three paths that are set before us. We're going to decide which one do we want to walk on. And we're going to choose that and we're going to walk on it. But today, our prayer is simple. We want God to do it again. Do what? <laughs> That's what you should ask me before you say, do what? I'll tell you what. There was one time in the Bible that all the mountains, all the earth was submitted to God. Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. I want you to know, watch. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Habakkuk teaches us in chapter 2 verse 14 that God is going to do it again. He's going to do it again. He's going to bring us right back to the beginning, but he's going to do it at the end. Would you rise on your feet, everyone? We're preparing for something. Even at home, we're preparing for something. For God to do it again. And he's going to do it again. Let me quote the scripture, then I'll come down. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as waters cover the seas. Lift both hands before this God and let's agree that he's going to do it again. We've seen him move and he's moved mountains. He's made a way out of no way. And we believe today that he's going to do it again. I need you to shout that. Say, do it again, Lord. Write that in the chat. Say, do it again, Lord. One more time, shout, do it again, Lord.